Hey there, if you are ready to build your service-based business from scratch and ditch your nine to five, then I want you to head on over to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap and download my free ultimate leap checklist and starter kit. Again, you can head to shedidherwaypodcast.com forward slash leap to download my ultimate leap checklist and starter kit to get started on building your service-based business and ditching your nine to five. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Bolin, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. There are so many new people. I just want to welcome you guys to the She Did It Her Way community and what we've got going on here. Something tells me that if you are showing up and tuning in, that means that you are on this journey and looking to find your freedom by becoming your own boss and you are in the correct and right place, sister. Let me tell you that. I'm so excited to have you and everyone else who's been tuning in since day one over three and a half years ago. Thank you so much for always giving me a sliver of your week and your time as I know there are so many other podcasts and other things that you could be doing and I just really, really appreciate that. So I wanted to take time out to thank you guys again from the bottom of my heart. Now for today's episode, I'm hanging out with Alexandra Williamson, who is Bumble's chief brand officer prior to Bumble. This is a really fun story and behind the scenes and just getting able to chat with um, Alex about her journey prior to Bumble and then all of her roles and how it's transitioned into what it is today at Bumble. But she majored in cinema television at SMU where she discovered her love of content creation and having a variety of experience with film and production. She began managing social media for Bumble in October 2014, which I might add as a contractor. So she started out as a contractor and then and now, four years later, she is chief brand officer. And so in this episode, she talks about how to ensure that you keep your brand's voice and personality maintained throughout your entire business, especially now Bumble has three different verticals. They have Bumble Date, Bumble Biz, Bumble BFF. And it's just a really great opportunity to get the behind the scenes look at how someone like Alex has created this voice and personality for such a massive brand like Bumble and company, which I believe I just read the other day that it's valued at a over a billion dollars with a B, not an M. Like that's insane. That's huge. That's awesome. Like kudos to Bumble. Freaking amazing. So in this episode, we hear Alex's backstory and the roles that she had prior to coming onto Bumble, how her roles have evolved while she's been at Bumble. And then one of my favorite insights and quotes that she says is that the most valuable lessons that I've learned over time is that no one really knows what they're doing. Everybody is just trying to figure it out all the time. And I'm like, amen, sister. And that is so important because if you are wherever you're at in your journey and you're listening to these episodes or you're looking at Instagram and you are flooded with thoughts that you think everyone has it figured out, well, sister, no, they don't. We never do. We're just, we are testing in this world of business. And I love that quote by Alex. So without further ado, let's go to the show. All right. Well, Alex, why don't you just kick us off? Tell us what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis. I am Bumble's chief brand officer. I oversee the brand at large. So that's anything um, 
I've, the easiest way to describe it is that from the beginning, I came up with the voice and personality of our brand, Bumble. Um, and so as we've grown and scaled, it's making sure that that same voice and personality are like are seen as true and stay the same through every aspect of our business. Um, so I oversee you know all of our campaigns, creative content, um, and then our customer service team as well. Yeah. Well, so talk to us a little bit about how your role has shifted since Bumble launched and when you first started to now you transition, you're overseeing it. So walk us through that that role. The hardest thing is to step back and oversee <laughs> versus doing everything. But I, it's actually kind of laughable. I always say that I'm a member of the Never Should Have Made It Club. Um, I joined <laughs> Bumble uh, in the beginning I joined as a three-month contract employee to launch Bumble Dallas. Um, I was just brought on to help get Bumble off the ground there. And then within three weeks was overseeing all of our social media um, and doing all of the brand copywriting. I've had probably 11 titles at the company <laughs> or more. Um, and I think what's been fun about it is that I've just evolved as the, the company has. Um, and I haven't really had too much of a set career path. I just was eager and excited and willing to do anything that I could to help get Bumble off the ground. Um, and that's really how, I guess, any if you would define what I've done as successful, that's where it's come from. Um, but it really has been just truly a pleasure to be a part of, of getting to build out this company. Um, so it, it, there was no set, there was no set like real agenda or goal. I think that if you keep yourself open to opportunities and work really hard, good things come your way. Mm hmm. Well, and tell it's us a little, for them. <laughs> what's that? I think a lot of it, a lot of gratitude goes into it, too. Like, I love what we're doing. And I love being able to be a part of building out the company culture, both internally inside of our company, inside of our, like the four walls of our office, but also with all of our users, um, making sure that they feel safe and confident using our platform. It's all just a dream come true to get to be a part of this business. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole story of Bumble is so incredible. And I mean, share with us like a little bit about what was going on before you started with Bumble, because it's a little bit of completely different type of industries, correct? Yeah, I was. Um, oh, my gosh. I did all sorts of very um, unimpressive work before Bumble. Actually, I think it would be like the definition of a come up. If you go look at my LinkedIn there, it goes from like freelance makeup artist to where I am now. Um, and I, I've always been a hard worker. I think that I didn't really have anywhere to channel my ambition. Um, but I did, there were two women who took a chance on me actually, it was a, it's an e-commerce company called accessory concierge and they, um, were really instrumental in, in helping me think outside of what I had been doing before. I'd always wanted to get into film and content creation. Um, I'd been involved in like the film industry and commercial industry since I was a kid, um, and so I ended up working with them on marketing and they had their own startup. So I got to see a lot of the grind of building a business, um, as, as female entrepreneurs and as moms, um, not a mom, but I definitely have so much respect for women who really do it all. Mm -hmm. Um, but when Bumble came about my background in film, and I mean, I was the type of person who would work you know, on film sets for free for 14 hour days. Um, and just because I love working and I love being a part of, of true collaboration. Um, but I didn't know that all of that was going to serve its purpose for me and Bumble. I think that that, that 
lack of a real schedule um, and routine actually helped because in the beginning we were constantly grinding with Bumble. I mean, I was, you know, we were on emails still. I mean, we're still doing that at like 3 a.m. Um, and really no days off, but I didn't realize that what I'd done before had prepped me for that sort of a, a lifestyle. Um, and I think that's kind of what you have to do to get a business off the ground. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't realize when Bumble first started, I was sort of, you know, I didn't really have a background in marketing, um, but I had a background in content creation. It was scattered, but it all came together. Um, so when I was doing all of the content for Bumble, I was also doing like the casting and writing the scripts and directing and doing wardrobe hair and makeup and styling and everything like that on the sets as well. Wow. So you're doing them in, in parallel some, or like you're transitioning your skills from what you were doing before to, to Bumble. At what point do you, you applied for a three month contract? And then at what point were you like, Oh no, this is long term. I think pretty early on, like I just loved it and I worked tirelessly at it. I was working from home. Um, so I wasn't even, you know, I mean, I, for anybody who works from home, you understand that it's a lot of times you don't even get dressed during the day. You just like Fact. wake up, start answering emails. And that was probably the hardest transition moving over, moving to Austin, moving into an office is I had a really hard time because I was so addicted to waking up and starting my emails and starting working and like starting to work immediately instead of, you know, like brushing my teeth or my hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but I, it was those, the very beginning moments when there, I remember, and they're going to kill me for saying this, but, but Whitney, our founder and CEO and Caroline, who is our chief of staff, she was the first employee. She has an incredible story too. She was uh, started as Whitney's assistant before Bumble even existed, um, before it was even named. And then she's now our chief of staff. Um, and she's 26. She's a force to be reckoned with, but she and Whitney were doing the social and I remember they posted a social post that was a photo of an attempt at doing brownies that looked like bees and, and the caption was <laughs> Beatty Cocker and that was on Bumble and I was like, y'all let me take a pass at this. And so I started doing, um, which was really before any brands were doing it at the time, I started doing memes and I started doing relatable dating content and I actually was just taking my own personal story um, of just dating as a, as a 20 something and changing, which was really risky, actually looking back at it and amazing that we all had enough trust in what we were doing. And it goes to show how truly entrepreneurial the beginning of Bumble has been or, or was, mm -hmm. I was using my own personal story and changing it from I to we, and that's how the brand voice came about. And I loved creative writing. Um, so I started to build out this character of Bumble and, and who she is and how she speaks to people. Does and Oh, sorry. Yeah. Keep going. But that being said, we were one of the first brands to really have like a candid conversation with people, um, based in a lot of rooted in a lot of humor, um, but never mean humor, always self-deprecating and, um, kind humor. I think somebody who inspired me with that was Ellen DeGeneres. At one point I read that she always likes humor for humor's sake and never at someone else's expense. Um, and so because of that, people started relating to the brand and we were able to push social you know, social messages uh, involving issues that we really uh, believed in or had problems with. But because we used humor early on, um, it never came from too much of a threatening or aggressive place. It was always it always came from a place of uh, lighthearted kindness. 
Um, and I think that's how we were able to really pivot ourselves a lot of it. I mean, there were so many, so many things that caused us to be able to pivot ourselves into a brand that really uh, pushes social change. Our, our prime messaging around, you know, flipping the script on dating and women making the first move definitely helped with that. Um, but it, it was adding in that sort of approach to it that came from a woman's point of view that I don't think really was it existed at the time for a tech company. Mm. What would you say, like looking back in your career with Bumble, um, was the toughest decision you had to make given the role that you were in? The toughest decision? I think just I've, you know, something I've had, I've always been very, it's a tough question. I would have to say vulnerability. Um, and, and as our company has grown, being willing, like we are very, we encourage everybody to show up and bring them their whole selves to work. Because if you think about it, we really are a relationship platform. Um, Mm -hmm. and you cannot, build meaningful relationships if there's no vulnerability attached to them, right? If you're not willing to be comfortable and open about who you are. And I've tried to do that um, as a leader in this company. And that, you know, that took, I earlier this year got divorced and and had to, uh, as a decision, you know, from the leadership team, I I stood up and shared that with the entire team. Um, But we are a relationship platform and, and you cannot help change people's lives if you're not willing to be open and authentic about what you're going through. Um, if we all try to pretend like everything is perfect in our personal lives, then we really can't overcome the challenges of dating or relationships and help our users. Mm-hmm. And that is so true too, like in, in business too, and, and all of it just in life of, of being okay with being vulnerable and, and practice practicing being vulnerable. I know one of the things that when you look back, if something that you would have invested in sooner in your business was to personally invest in yourself um, and had more courage, put yourself out there in the twenties. I would love for you to share a little bit more about that. And exactly when you say invest in yourself, in what capacity um, would you have done that? Yeah, I think, you know what I mean by that, because I'm not somebody who practices a lot of self care. So I can't sit here and be like, Oh, you know, it's meditation classes or yoga or anything. (laughs) That's not really my my jam. I rarely get my hair cut. But um, I think what I what I really mean by that is when I was in my early 20s and I graduated from college, I graduated with like an, the academic award in the film school. Like I I was smart and capable, but I was scared. Right. I got out of college and I didn't really understand how to build a career for myself. And I didn't feel like I had a lot of direction when given direction. I was able to do well. Um, but without it, I felt like I just like, you know, was flailing and floundering, trying to figure out how to swim. Um, and I wish that I had had more confidence in myself. Um, I wish that I had listened to my own gut more and trusted that I, I think one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned over time is that nobody else really knows what they're doing. Um, and instead of letting that be encouraging, um, and, and to not put everybody else like ahead of you as, you know, I, I think that I tend to look around with like amazement and, you know, and bewilderment at every other person when really everybody's just trying to figure it out. And and I think what I mean by that is really, I wish that I had invested in taking more risks and trying new things and being open-minded mm. at an earlier age. I think I was too afraid to fail that I was one of those people who didn't try. And so I'd encourage anybody listening to this is if you're afraid to fail, you're never going to get anywhere. And I think a lot of luck went into me ending up where I was. And I worked really hard at the opportunity. Um, and by that point, I think that I had been too afraid to fail that I was just like straight up ready to 
try anything and work as hard as I could to make Bumble succeed. Um, there was a lot of backstory to wanting Bumble to, to win and succeed as well. But I think that what if I could encourage anybody, it's just get out there and try things and fail and fail with grace and just move fast. Yeah. I mean, so often when we're, when we don't take action because of fear of failure, like a lot of times it's irrational fear. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. It's all these things that we've created in our minds to believe that why we can't take action. I know one of the things that you, Oh, I was going to say too, our minds are so powerful. And I find that if you have too much idle time and you, I mean, we underestimate how strong we really are and how capable we are of doing things. And we can talk ourselves into and out of Mm -hmm. anything. Right. And so it's, it's using the power of your mind for good and, and to serve you versus letting it take you down. Yeah. Well, and since we're on that topic too, are, what are some things that you do or how do you protect your mental state to make sure that you are constantly coming back to this anchored state? That is whatever that looks like to you in terms of, um, a performance mindset state. Oh man. I already (laughs) mentioned that. I already mentioned that I don't take very good. I'm not very good at self-care and I could, I could sit here and lie about that, um, and make it sound like I have my, can I say shit? Like, Oh yeah. Together, but I really think that what it comes down to is I have a lot of really great friends and I have a lot of people in my life, including the early team members and a lot of the team members, of course, who've joined Bumble along the way. But when we first launched, there were four of us and I would trust those those three women with my life. I mean, they I genuinely do. They know me better than I think I know myself. We work together every single day. Um, and I I trust them a lot um, to to really help me become the best version of myself. But I also think that one of the most the the lessons that I'm learning, and I think that that comes into self-love is to treat yourself like you treat a best friend. And I think a lot of that is, you know, I I definitely personally have a uh, I'm very hard on myself. And I think that that's something that I'm working on learning this year is, is to ease up and talk to myself the way that I would talk to a friend. Um, and just, I think that being gentle with yourself really, really helps go a long way in terms of loving who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think once you embrace like everything about yourself, like the quirks, the, you know, what would be perceived as shortcomings, like everything and you, and you treat yourself, you know, you, you need to, it need you need it, I guess in order to be a joy to be around you have to like enjoy being around yourself and and find the delight in who you are um, and that's been part of my journey for sure yeah no absolutely where it's it's never about the other people around us it's all about the work that we do with ourselves and sometimes that is not the easiest work to do and it's easy to want to push that away or procrastinate or find another void or in, immerse ourselves in other things um, but yeah you, it's so true. And I, I love to go out and dance. That's another thing that I do for self-care. <laughs> I think that, you know, but I also think that if you're super focused on yourself, uh, you can become short-sighted. And I think instead, I always try to think about the other people in my life or team members or users and um, and put focus on putting good into the world in that way. Mm-hmm. And like you said, as a reminder, I mean, just that it's okay to feel really good and do the things that make you happy and not restrict yourself into, I know so oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we might condition, or at least maybe I'm speaking for myself is that we go through times where it's no, there can't be any play. Like there has to be just work, 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 work. And then in reality, if you can step back and allow yourself to do things that actually really feel good and bring joy, it 
ultimately helps in in the long run over over time. Um, I know you said business that way for sure. What's that? I, I think you you build a happier business that way for sure. If you find you know time to to have fun and find the joy, and I think that that also lends itself to a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. I know you said too one of the things that you would invested in would have liked to invest in sooner was a robot assistant to help with heck. <laughs> Who is this robot and how do we get one? <laughs> I don't even, I've seen, I've heard about this mythical robot uh, assistant. I actually read an article about it. I wish I could, I wish I had it on hand. <laughs> um, that answers, you know, your emails for you. I, my job, you know, I do a lot of travel and I spend a lot of time out of my inbox and my inbox is always a disaster. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of you know, as women, we tend to feel guilty about things, um, you know, quite frequently if we're, if we're hard on ourselves. And I feel like there's a lot of times that I don't get back on, you know, inbound emails coming coming through um, just with a simple response. I wish I had more time in the day to do that. But I really am invested in building our company and, and, and getting to the projects that are, you know, at the priority for me. And, and I just wish that I had more time in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you bring up a really great point. I mean, we all have, we could, we could all succumb to wanting to answer every single email that comes in the inbox. But at the end of the day, you have to do the things that are ultimately driving the business forward and making those tough decisions or good decisions in order to do that. I would love, like, do you have any strategies or systems on how you protect your time and energy to make sure that you are getting done what you need to get done? And then how do you even decide what needs to get done? Um, you know, I, <laughs> I wish I could say that I had more of a system in place that I could share with everybody. Unfortunately, if you were to follow my advice, I think that you would live a very unorganized life. Um, if that, that is how, you know, I'm just fueled by creativity. And, and so I think that that lends itself to a lot of, um, a little bit of organized chaos. Um, I love Slack. I think that that is an incredible way to keep in touch with everybody. And then I'd put a lot of work blocks in um, because I do a lot of copy. I do a lot of our product copy and just copy still in general. And so I have to put in those work blocks or else my time escapes me and and my calendar gets booked up. Um, And then I try to find time when I'm in the office because I travel so much to spend with the team members that need like dedicated you know, hours of my time. And I go ahead and prioritize that by putting that on their calendars um, and making sure that they get everything that they need from me so that they don't feel like they're constantly waiting, which I feel like people tend to be doing it. <laughs> but I love how, again, going back to the vulnerability, how open you are about the way that you operate. And it's still a great example on how it, you know, you don't have to have all these systems in place in order to have a result of being quote unquote successful. You can have organized chaos that lends itself to be the most successful person in your situation that you can be. And I love when we, when people share like two sides of eat, well, wait, a coin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You guys get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, there's yeah. a different side. <laughs> It's tough. I think when you look around at everybody who's successful, it seems like everybody just has their lives together and like it's all perfect. But I think that that's something that I I would love to change is that, like I said earlier, we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all trying to be the best versions of ourselves and work and life and love. And I think that um, I would just hate to make it sound like I (laughs) had it all together, given that I feel like, you know, we're all still figuring it out. 
Yeah. Amen to that. So I do have one, um, one of the questions is I call them OSM. So they're oh shit moments. Um, when you, yeah. So when you look back on everything that you've done with Bumble, um, is there a moment that you can recall that at the time you're like, this is the biggest deal ever. Like I cannot mess it up. And in that moment, maybe you didn't make the best decision. And looking back now, you, it's like laughable. Oh my gosh. So many moments. That's actually a, a hard one to think through. Um, I mean, I've had, we've had campaigns that have failed that I've, I've spent months planning. Um, those, those would be moments. And I think that once you get to the other side, um, of anything that that's a perceived failure, you've learned a lesson. And, um, I think that for me, we've made a lot of choices that have been very, um, I mean, very strong risks that we've taken as a company. And I think with all of those moments that could be OSMs, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's finding, it's deciding to stand behind something and move forward with it. I mean, one of the biggest OSM moments was probably the Connor letter that I wrote um, that we published about two summers ago, um, maybe three now. Um, but what we did with that was we, there was a user who, um, had been really inappropriate with another, with a a female, one of our female users, um, and accused her of, you know, being a gold digger. It was, it was awful. I I read that and it was pretty, I mean, my mouth dropped. It literally, I could not believe that this guy was insinuating. I mean, so much on the defense and the whole time I'm like, I think he's just projecting his insecurities, but anyway, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know it was crazy. So we'll link that if you guys want to check it out or you can Google open letter to Connor and Bumble and it'll come up too. Yeah. That was probably for me. I mean, that, that definitely wasn't the guy projecting, I think his insecurities on, on this woman. Um, and that was a moment for me that, that we made a huge choice and we knew that it could either, it would either go over well or it could crash. And I think that that has led a lot of the decisions that we've made following that, you know, that's, you know, we've, we've stand behind our values and we make our decisions based on those. And a lot of times, you know, with that, you can raise eyebrows and really upset people. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if you're standing for something, you know, then it's all worth the risk. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I was reading in a marketing book a couple of weeks ago about creating polarity in your business and not allowing your, like you're either on one side or the other side and not being in the middle. Cause then it's hard for people to stay like, um, not agree, but, um, want to follow in the sense, cause if you're in the middle, it's harder to decipher where if you go on one end versus the other, people are more likely to make a decision and choose on that. Uh, but yeah, that open letter to Connor, I was like, Oh, this is perfect. It was really great. So you guys should go read that. Um, I have a couple, couple last questions to, for you. Um, and in terms of rapid fire round, but before we get into that, what are some books that you've read that you really enjoy that you would recommend to my listeners? Um, these are not marketing books, but I would recommend the alchemist to anybody who hasn't read it. And then I love Cleo Wade's heart talk. Ooh, which one? Cleo Wade heart talk. Cleo Wade, yeah, she just published a book um, called Heart Talk, and I think that it is a great, almost like just a a great daily inspiration um, to loving yourself and loving others. Mm, I will definitely, I've never heard of that, so I'll have to check that out. What, when you look back, what's that? 
I love her approach to activism. I think that she handles, you know, she handles tough issues with such grace and, and sincerity and kindness. And, um, she has a gentle approach to, uh, encouraging people to change the way they think. Mm. And so when you look back kind of full encompassing too, from the beginning of Bumble, what are one or two things that you think that Bumble did right from the get go that allowed it to be as much of a success as it is today? I would say, you know, putting like, you know, putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is what we stand for. This is what we tolerate. This is what we don't um, really helped shape the DNA of our brand. I think that um, we also did things differently. Like we didn't follow a marketing strategy. Obviously there was a lot of strategy involved in what we were doing, but we didn't follow like textbook marketing 101 classes. We just, you know, went based a a lot based on instinct um, and took a lot of risks and, I think that, like I was saying, those risks obviously have to be rooted in values and what you're standing for is a mission and your overall vision or else then you're just taking risks for risk's sake, which can get scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those would be, you know, two things that helped differentiate Bumble. But I also, I mean, we've, we've published a lot of, or we've put out a lot of content that I think has encouraged people to think differently about themselves and the dynamics of their relationships. Like one of my favorite things that we've done was push out, be the CEO. Your parents always wanted you to marry. I love that one. What do you actually like? And it was that whole mentality that, you know, I think so many women are, especially when I grew up in the South, I grew up in Alabama. And I think that part of that is that undercurrent of feeling like you have to, you know, marry somebody and be a wife. And at, at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want and actually end up in a happy, healthy relationship based on being with somebody who makes you the best version of yourself and makes you happy. Um, and that's really where that messaging came from for be the CEO. Mm-hmm. And I, that's like one of, I love seeing that. And I'm like, yes, that is such a great one. Well, Alex, this has been amazing. Before we wrap up, we're going to go into rapid fire round. And so these are meant to be quick and fast, whatever comes to mind. Uh, the first comes to mind. So the first question I have for you is what is something in, can I ask you, can I add one thing really fast? Yeah, absolutely. I am organized chaos, but a lot of our team is not. And I don't want anybody who listens to this to have the impression that Bumble is not an organized organization. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I think like if anyone, I mean, Bumble looks very organized from the outside. It is. There's so many people who have created incredible structure and process to our team um, that I would hate for them to feel like you know, anybody listening to, to feel like it is all over the place. That's mainly just me. (laughs) Well, and I think, I mean, okay, this, this is another really great example because oftentimes, I mean, when we're talking about how, if you're a freelancer, self-employed, or you're running this online business, you're sitting behind a computer and you see everything, you see all the emails coming in, you see the mistakes that happen, or you see that, okay, I forgot to change the landing page on this. And someone signed up for a webinar that's no longer existing. Like we see all of it. And so sometimes we get in this mindset that the whole world is on fire yet to so many people on the outside, they're like, that person's got their shit together. We, you know, so it's, it goes back to what you're saying before too. We can easily get ourselves in these stories that everybody else has it together, but we're all kind of in our operating in our own bit of chaos and in our own environment that allows us to be successful. So yeah, everybody is really like every, yeah, you think everything is on fire when really everybody's <laughs> so caught up in their own lives. They're not noticing, you know, yeah so hard on ourselves it is so true so what is something that's um in your life that is a non-negotiable a non-negotiable probably 
honesty and having fun. I think maybe tequila would be a non-negotiable for me. I, I like not having it. <laughs> You're like, I must. I go out, yes. Need. I love to have a glass of tequila and, 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 and laugh. Yes. So, so good. What it's is one 15 things that are non-negotiables for me? <laughs> You're like wine, tequila, champagne. Yeah. No. <laughs> what other branded spirits are there? No. Um, what is the one thing that you get your inspiration from? One thing I get my inspiration from, uh, interesting conversations with people. Yeah. I find human beings so fascinating and everybody's story I think is everybody has inspiration, um, inspirational stories. And I love meeting new people and hearing about their personal journeys. Amen. What is something that you believe that others think is insane? Well, actually my team is the one, they, they answered this question for me and I guess oh. it is insane that I do this, but I name my house plants and I tell them that they're beautiful. Um, and I have about 15 houseplants and they all have really punny names. Um, and I, I love, <laughs> I love doting on my houseplants. I guess that's kind of weird, but I think that they bring so much life into a house. Some of the names are Wiz Khalifa, um, Alifa Keys. I have Alifa a Keys. <laughs> Pamela Anderson, um, Leif Erickson, Robert Plant. I I have new ones that are Mary Kate and Ashley Olston. Oh my god, um, this is hysterical. Do they have their own Instagram account? No, but maybe oh. they should. Maybe they <laughs> should make a plant Instagram account. I well, just love house plants. When you said you name your plants, it reminded me of it was like a YouTube video or a photo on how um, positive, like pasting a positive word to the water bottle, actually made the molecules be different than if you pasted a negative word. So I'm sure that I'm 100% believer that the plants are benefiting from the love and care that you give them. I think everything benefits from positive. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. What is the, <laughs> the best $100 or less purchase one can make in their business? The best $100 purchase or less. Oh, I, oh gosh, I would say branded merchandise. Actually, I think that if you're going to and, it, and this doesn't have to be expensive. You could buy a bunch of lighters, you know, or pens or um, hats. I think that, you know, having m your merch out there is like, it's like micro out of home. Mm. That is such a good, yeah, merchandise and having people like you can embody it through that. So absolutely. Oh, this has been amazing. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I will link to all of the good stuff and where people can find you and Bumble. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out SheDidItHerWay.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.